Welcome to First Aid Copites, a podcast for Delaware's Liverpool supporters and their friends. Hey, it's November 26th and proper football is back. Welcome to the latest edition of our show. Uh, Paul, I'm joined tonight by Daz and Sean. Uh, we'll talk about that solid away performance at the home of the team with 115 charges. Uh, we'll look ahead to Lask and Fulham, probably Sheffield United as well, given how closely that follows on. And maybe we'll cast an eye elsewhere on uh, other teams' kind of rising and falling fortunes, uh, uh, which obviously we'll talk about Everton in, in all of that. So uh, in the first part of today's show, let's, let's focus on uh, yesterday's game, uh, which was uh, Manchester City won, Liverpool won. Um, and going to talk about some highlights, maybe some regrets. I feel like there's a lot of noise about the game and it makes you wonder whether some people are watching the same game that, that I was watching. But where I did want to start was on our team selection because clearly he picked uh, three uh, players from South America who'd you know, been on a plane, one of whom admitted to falling asleep in the briefing uh, on Friday. Uh, McAllister, that is, if you didn't see that. Um, so th- thoughts about team selection. Uh, sure. So I was wondering if he was going to play Gomez at left back and um, wonder a little bit about um, who he played at left center mid and left wing. But I, I guess like Jones and uh, Jota weren't big surprises to me. And, and Simicus wasn't really either. I was just I, I was I was thinking it was a maybe 50 50 call with Gomez and Simicus. But the last time Klopp played Gomez at left back didn't work out all that great um just a different type of player so he probably made the right call and then uh playing Matip over Kanate that one surprised me a little bit but I guess you know because Kanate hasn't played a lot of of uh Premier League games recently probably went so it all I I thought it all kind of made sense um the only one I guess I would have maybe questioned at the beginning of the match was um Simicus over Gomez but I think you know we'll get to it, but I think I think Costas actually played really well. It's one of the best matches he's played in a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk about City in a minute. I do think there is something about them deciding that Doku has got to be the way home. Um, like Foden did not appear to be very aggressive, um, but I do want to just finish off on uh, Daz. Uh, uh, McAllister, as as I said, did acknowledge that he'd fallen asleep in the briefing the day before. Um, Allison clearly had maybe his worst ever game for Liverpool. And we should put that into context because worst ever, um, they kept talking about his terrible passing on a few different outlets. Um, this, I saw a chart which basically only four of his passes didn't find Liverpool players of the 20 some he attempted. And two of the four were actually long balls that obviously you know, were picked up by City defenders. Um, the the two that really stood out, of course, we all was the Foden pass and the one he kicked up in the air that came back for the Haaland goal. Um, but you know, jet thoughts on jet lag? It sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyone that's traveled any amount of time over any amount of distance in an airplane will tell you it's a hard bump. And I've always, and this is funny, like I've always found it harder coming back than going somewhere. Yeah. I don't know if it's like a different level of adrenaline or a different letdown. Uh, like once once you get back to where you where you live, but it's and I'm not a professional athlete that played some pretty high intensity games. What five six thousand miles away? Like I don't. It's I don't have that in my locker. 
Um, so and I think Paul, you and I were talking about was it Jonathan Liu making the yeah. making the, the the really churlish and very very childish comparison of playing two back to back five aside games and being okay and having to be okay with that versus people playing full international games and traveling what 10 to 12 hours i guess depending on where you're coming from it's yeah. it's people just need narratives we say this in almost every single podcast and and they don't have the real context to be able to talk about it now i'd be willing to sit down and listen to someone like roberto carlos talk about going back and playing for real madrid after playing for after playing for Brazil, but outside of that, Jonathan Luke and Ram it right up his cloaca, as can most of those other people <laughs> that seem to have something clever to say about something they have fuck all they know fuck all about. Yeah, well, I I thought there were some joke articles actually, which talked about how um, some of these twelve thirties have produced really great games, um, uh, and we're particularly talking about the ones after the international break that was they didn't break that piece out, yeah. and we're also probably talking about games that were played between teams without as many internationals uh, who had to travel that far as, as we have. The international travel is the part that people, I don't know, the narrative with the analysts and all always seemed overlooked. Like, and I, I know we're going to get to it, but like, you look at McAllister and uh, Allison. I mean, they played an intense, crazy 90-minute match at the Americana where they had to stop it multiple times for brawls and it was a one-nil and like huge rivalry. And then they got to travel all the way back, you know, the other, you know, the other side of the world, basically. And, you know, it, it shouldn't be, I don't know, it, it, you should almost expect that they're not going to be 100% after all that travel. Like Daz was saying, I mean, anyone that's done done any kind of travel knows the, the flight impact, but particularly when it's a long flight like that, mm. and when you're an elite athlete, it's got to be even worse. I mean, you got to try to get back up to your, your typical pace. Um, and they don't, you know, they probably didn't have quite enough time to recover to begin with. So, um, like the fact that people can't grasp, like the problem with that is just ridiculous. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's, it's just, you have to, you, you have to, you have to, you have to be intentionally, you know, ignorant basically to, to, yeah, just, just to try to, you know, go along with whatever they want the narrative to be, but it's, it's a clear, huge disadvantage. Yeah. There's definitely something about Liverpool in this narrative, though, because I don't know if you saw the uh, the Villa Spurs game today. Um, I, I didn't watch all of it, but at the end of the game, the commentator and his sidekick kept commenting on, "Well, a lot of these players who played in South America are probably, you know, looking a bit tired." Um, you know, and it's like these are the, these are obviously you know played in the same games as our our players did. But it's a day later, and it's an okay excuse for them. But apparently, no, 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 okay excuse for us who played what uh, over twenty four hours earlier. And and no, and no mention, as far as I know, I didn't see, you know, at the beginning of the game or and I, I couldn't hear too much at the bar, but there was almost no mention of the fact that, uh, you know, City had all these players injured and they just you know magically got better the day before and are in the starting eleven. Like there was, there's no discussion about that. But there's all this discussion about all this other nonsensical stuff. It's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was significant, of course, that uh, Edison didn't travel, um, uh, and uh, uh, Alison Becker ends up playing both those games. Bit bit more on um, goalkeeping, Daz. Um, I, I know we rewatched the game together <laughs> and both took issue with uh, Lee Dixon's comment that uh, Allison just needs to be stronger. Uh, around the foul on him by Akanji, uh, which uh, Diaz. Uh, so it was, it was weird, right? Because Diaz 
put the ball in the net as soon as the referee gave the foul. They were, he, he, they argue everything. They didn't argue that. Yeah, I was, I was also very surprised at how quickly he just, he just got on with it. Uh, because I, I think you pointed this out. Akanji was, was basically set inside of Ali's shorts with him for for, couple, for quite a few of those corners. The one that he, that's who bundles him into the net for the second foul. Um, so that was that was clearly by design. Uh, I'm I'm interested to why someone wasn't there cleaning him out. You, you can you can you can put someone in to body him out for that. I, I, whether they just think that Ali's strong enough to be able to deal with it, because Sean, I think you, we talked about how was it the Burnley game where that happened. I think it happened in West Ham too. Yeah, it happened a couple times last season. I think right. It was a couple of seasons, was a few seasons ago. Few now seasons I think ago. yeah. yeah. Well, I was I was saying it's it's not a bad tactic to try against us because it's happened multiple times before and they don't call foul, like and it's one thing if it's you know a forward. I, I know this isn't really how they can officiate the game, but Akanji is a is a huge player. He's a center back, and it, if he's running into you and you're standing or jumping, you're obviously going to be knocked over. You can't be I'm saying you need to be stronger. What are you supposed to do? They have a running start and they plow into you. You're gonna fall backwards, like and, and it's a foul. Like you're not. Well, Dixon was talking yeah. specifically about when he grabbed his arm. Like he was. That's when he said, "Like, look, he doesn't jump all that high." And oh, like he's got to be stronger for me. It's not that shouldn't be that shouldn't be a foul. I'm like, have you ever had someone like when in the middle of trying to catch a ball, throw someone throws a ball at you and you slightly touch their arm? It's unless your hands have have some sort of adhesive attached on them, like they, it's going to come out of your hands. Yeah. You, if you watch any any NFL football game, that happens all the time. Yep. But, you know, if you get bumped, I mean, that's why they have pass interference. Because, like, if you hit someone's arm when they're trying to catch the ball, they're going to drop it. Like, it's, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it, just like the narrative. And it's funny because at the bar, I couldn't really hear the commentary. But then after the match, I was like, what are they talking about? That was a clear foul. Yeah. Like, why is this even being debated? And I saw, like, Jamie Carragher even said something. And I was like, what? Like, yeah. where did they come up with this? Like. How is that? How does anybody see that as being anything but a foul? I mean, yeah. it's I don't know. It was just a clear and obvious foul. I I actually thought for the second one he should have been carded, um, because why why are you allowing that to happen two times in the same match? Like, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, just slightly tangentially, um, I think it was one game this weekend where someone talked about someone feeling the contact and going down as, and that being a legitimate move. And it's like, I, I don't think you can have it both ways here. Right. It's like, if you, you know, you're messing with the goalkeeper's hands and arms, that's quite different from, you know, Jack Grealish or Phil Foden, um, kind of looking like someone's poleaxed them when they've actually just been bumped into, uh, in a way in which should not knock a professional footballer over. Well, there's also think about this. Like, if it's a foul, it's a foul. Everyone uses that narrative. Oh, you see that happening in, in boxes all the time, and they let it go. That's it's still it's still a foul, regardless of whether or not you let it go. It, it's it's still a foul, and it's incumbent on you to to call that foul. So to say that it shouldn't be mean of being a foul, it it's it's just a foul by the rules of the game. It's it's a foul, and does it go on? Yeah, it shouldn't be allowed to, but they let it go. It doesn't mean it's not a foul. No, I'm right there with you. Let's let's move on to some of the the, the highlights and maybe some of the slight regrets about this one. Um, the City's obviously scored one goal from you know Allison trying to release Mo Salah, and Salah was on 
Doku was apparently marking Salah at this point. So if he'd hit the pass where he meant to, um, which, by the way, he does uh, in his warm-ups like tens of times every game. So this is not you know, something he is not good at. Just happened on this occasion that he didn't catch it quite right. Um, uh, they scored from that, but but that actually was only 1.3. Um, and it was, I think it was nearly three last year when we played them, when we weren't very good. Um, that feels like a pretty solid performance because I, I don't, I feel like we could point to a few chances they had, but there was nothing I felt like was guilt edged. Um, in fact, the, they said that I think the, the stats came up with one big chance that City had in, in this game. Um, Sean, what's your take on the defensive performance? I thought I thought our defensive performance was was great. I, I didn't think, I guess I didn't think that there was enough made of it afterwards. Everybody was trying to act like Trent was terrible defensively, which I was I, I thought was just absolutely bizarre after the match because somebody recorded that he was dribbled past seven times. Which there's been some clips out there, and and um, five of the dribbled pass are when Doku cut in field, which is exactly what Trent wanted him to do. To do, yeah. Watch it how we were defending him. Like that's exactly what they wanted Trent to do, um, and uh, no, I I thought that was probably our best defensive performance of the season. Um, the problems for us were when we had the ball, we weren't as good as we normally are. Um, but thought well, that's you that's know, partially because of the way City set up defensively too. So you can give them their flowers as well. What I saw, yeah, I, I mean, the, what what was happening for I don't know, at least the first half or first maybe not two thirds of the match, but a lot of the match was um, they were pressing us when we had the ball, they were pressing us really high um, and basically forcing us to, to try to go over the top. And then every time we went over the top, they'd win the header because they had three center backs and then a Kanji at defensive mid with Diaz. And and we just, you know, and, and, and the other thing they were doing, you know, they're, it's, you know, city's a very good team too. It's the other thing people need to, to remember we we might not have looked at our best, but we're also playing arguably the best team in the world. So you know that's going to happen. And they have a lot of really talented players. And when their defenders were heading the ball, they were almost always heading it directly to one of their other players. Like it wasn't like they were just winning the header; they were yeah. controlling the ball. So it was it was really hard for us to get a foothold. But I thought defensively we were great. Um, I think in the first half, we seemed a, bit, a little bit passive, like as if we didn't. And Trent made this observation uh, in the interview afterwards where he said he didn't think the first half performance was very good. I thought if we'd have shown perhaps a little bit more, uh, taking a bit more risk, although, you know, obviously their goal came from us taking a risk. Um, I felt like we could have put more pressure on them. Um, like Edison, a couple of times, pushed the ball back out into, I mean, it could have gone anywhere into open traffic. Uh um, I, I watched it back with, with you and I felt like a lot of it was by design. So I wonder if Trent's just thinking like we weren't our usual swashbuckling selves. We didn't have a lot of possession of the ball, or you could be looking at the fact that to, to Sean's point, when they did get it, they didn't utilize it very well. I think that that's, I don't think that that's necessary. I think the defensiveness was, was by design because ordinary, ordinarily, like when we play City, I'm like a, a cat in a hot tin roof. I can't sit still. But for this, like I never felt like we were in any genuine peril. And I think you're talking about the 1.3 expected goals kind of, yeah. kind of speaks to that. The goal that they did score was, I've seen Ali save those numerous times. So it was, it was just one of those, but uh, 
it was the one time when you want someone to welly the the guy that's bringing the ball in just to break it up so everyone kind of get back into get, get back into shape and, and they didn't and they and they punished us for it so we'll cop for that and, and I, was, I was saying earlier I, another reason that we didn't necessarily look as good when we had the ball is city city does what city does very well and they, they basically just strangled us and they allowed those passing lanes and then that then and as soon as we went into those lanes they they they, tri- they triggered the press so we're, we we I think that's maybe what Trent is talking about is like if we had have been a little sharper, I think that we could have gotten at them. And that was proven by Chelsea proved that. Yeah. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like there were, there were four scrambly goals. They cut them open a couple of times in that game. So, but again, contextually speaking, it's this, when was the last time? I think that the last time that this midfield played together was against Spurs, if I remember correctly. It was. You have a guy that's just coming back from injury in a massive, massive game. So you like you can forgive him for being a little a little ring rusty or like having a knock off some of the cobwebs. So again, Trent is Trent is, is doesn't strike me as someone that suffers suffers failure well or or fools or fools or, or fools at all. So I think to go back to the larger point you're asking about what Trent was, but if it was a terrible first half, we could have been better. We absolutely could have been better. But overall, I think that that a lot of what we were doing was by design. I just think going the other way, and when we did have possession, we could have we could have been a little bit better. We could have been better with it. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, t- I totally agree with that. I think uh, one or two ways here, but let's start with. Um, I felt like the we looked much more threatening when Diaz and, and Gravenberg were, were were on the field, mm-hmm. um, and I, I I I well we we commented on this watching it back right. Gravenberg with the way he went past Rodri, wow, that was a sight to see. Um, it was. Um, it was yeah. the highlight of the game for me, actually. It wasn't either the goals. It was watching that happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was clearly crap if he can be dribbled past, right? <laughs> <laughs> like he was standing still. It yeah. wasn't like he did anything special. He just pushed it past him and said, yeah. yeah. Best defensive midfield in the world. Oh, come on. Come on. Yeah. Um, and, and he only played one international game. Oh, it, it, did he, uh, Rodri, he, yeah. took, he took some time off, right? Another injury. Yeah, yeah. So I'll go to you, Sean. Uh, Trent himself with his brand new Adidas boots. Um, uh, <laughs> as usual, uh, there was quite a lot of comments in lots of places about his terrible defending. Apparently Gary Neville spent half t- half of the half time talking about Trent's defending. Um yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, and and I, I thought Neil Atkinson's advice was spot on. Just don't listen to the prick. I think that's probably the way way to go. Yeah, uh, it's, it's like you know, I it, I, uh, yeah. I I feel bad for the guy, like because it, it's like I I don't I can't remember ever seeing a player that gets the amount of criticism that he does and just nitpicking every little part of his game. Like we all know that. He's much stronger going forward than he is in defense. He's not the first fullback on the planet that that's been the case for, you know, far from it. And um, some of the best attacking fullbacks ever were not very good defenders. Like he's, he's probably better than some of those that would people would say were like almost generational players and all. Um, but uh, I thought, I thought he was excellent defensively other than for their goal, which was a weird one because Ali shanked it in the air and, just kind of caught everybody off guard, but um, I mean, he got man of the match. Like, I, I don't, you know, 
and and you could quibble about him getting man of the match because he scored the goal. Maybe there were other players, but he was one of the better players in the match. Like it, it's it's I don't know. Um, yeah, don't 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 really know what else to say about the whole Trent thing. It's just uh, quick stats. Uh, depending on who you read, you had he had the most uh, possessions recovered of any Liverpool player, uh, either nine or ten, depending on uh, who you who you believe. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the stats. Other than the dribbled pass stat, with which is really flawed, as mentioned earlier, because there's been compilations where you look at it, and I think like five of the seven dribbled pass that they counted were when Doku cut inside, you know, and that's exactly what he wanted them to do. So it makes me kind of question that stat. Actually, like, what are they counting as a dribbled pass? But um, no, I mean he was he was first in possessions one. Um, First in interception, he had two interceptions. I guess that was tied for first in the match. Um, first in recoveries, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I thought he played really well. I mean, he you know he probably could have been better on the ball at times, just like a lot of our other players. But he he did score the goal, the game tying goal. So like, there are plenty of other players that have horrible matches and they score the goal and everybody raves about him afterwards. But when it's Trent, all they want to talk about is all the things he did wrong. Yeah, it's just, yeah. You know, it's 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 just bizarre. Like well, two things. One is you said who else do they talk about like this? Well, Darwin Nunez is is the other one. <laughs> Got the narrative going like yeah. jury still out, jury still out. Like I don't think he had his best game yesterday, but but honestly, um, yeah. Uh um Do you know who doesn't give a shit about dribbles past? Or a number of times dribble past? Fort Mob. They gave him an eight point five. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was the highest. Um, it was highest on the team. Closest was Salah was seven point seven. Again, like to take it with a grain of salt. It's a, it's a very subjective, uh, very subjective uh, metric. But yeah. it's, so I, I think I just want to close out with Trent. Close out that piece with Trent because he. I think it's fair to say that he did have a wobble last year, but he would definitely was not alone, and that was probably definitely influenced by the way everyone else was playing. Mm-hmm. It's just. Everyone, because when we we as Liverpool Liverpool Liverpool's Liverpool supporters and Liverpoolians hold someone in such high esteem, the rest of the rest of the league just needs him to fail, and they're there like like cormorant like waiting for him just to just to be able to crow. So and I, and I think watching Trent, his his mental fortitude is something to behold because mm-hmm. he's never wilted under that. And and he took it on the chin when he when he needed to, and he holds his hand up when he needs to, and he's and it's and it makes him stronger. Yeah. Because how many guys have you seen take that exact ball on top of an eighteen yard box and either put it into a defender or it ends up in a different zip code? Yeah. That was that was cultured. It was it was definitive. It was it was a glorious strike, and he did like give him his flowers and. <laughs> You, you, we can't get off this podcast without talking the way that he went to the crowd that had been singing "Feed the Scousers" the entire <laughs> match, and basically told them to chew on the back of his ball sack. And yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing about that finish too, it, it, I, it was almost like that goal got very little attention. Um, he just, just like he does with a lot of things, he makes it look so easy. Uh, sometimes I almost think people overlook how brilliant some of the stuff he does is because he, he just makes it look easy. Like that was incredible. Mm-hmm. What, what he did there, you know, to finish that ball, perfect finish, perfect control, but it's like, it, it looked like nothing for him. Like he could do that anytime he wanted, you know? 
What's well, exactly what Paul and I were saying is like we told you we'll be grafted for how long for 79 fucking minutes. And he does that, makes it look so easy. It was like that Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's like, he's pointing at the screen like with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Do that again. Just fucking do that again. And, and the players know. I mean, you can see like the like the way that other players act around him, you know, they 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 know how talented he is. I mean, all the guys that that he plays against and he plays with. Um it's just the pundits like just love to trash him. It's just bizarre. Yeah. But, it's such a lazy um, narrative too. That's yeah. what bothers me about that is like no one and very few people once it once something's floated out there, like very few people question it or ask like, is this actually true? What are the numbers like? So and they cherry pick numbers to 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 try and to try and verify whatever lazy narrative they're pushing. Oh, Trent had another bad game. You mean the eight point five man in the match game? Right. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> so like. So, and that's the other thing, like our defense this year is the best in the league statistically, like, you know, you can quibble with little things and we've had one of the best defenses in, in the world in years past. And like, yeah, Trent might not be like, that's not the strength of his game, but he's one of four players in those defenses. Like you can't just act like he's not there. If he was that bad defensively, yeah, then we wouldn't be able to defend that well. It, it's just, you know. I don't know. It, it's it's just such nonsense. It's like there there's some narrative out there where people just want him to crumble and fail or something. It's just bizarre. But well, it, it took about four years for the narrative about Salah being uh, lazy uh, and diving to disappear. So I don't know. Oh, wait, yeah, one season wonder too. That that went on yeah. for like maybe years. maybe by the time he retires, people will be like, he wasn't bad, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, d- I did see some fool on one of the comments because Piers wrote an article about Trent saying, uh, like, oh, he, people are constantly kind of bigging him up and he, he makes all, all of these mistakes. And someone else replied, said, Klopp actually said in his interview, Trent was doing exactly what he wanted him to do. And it's like, oh, what kind of excuses that came back the response? What? <laughs> How dare he do what he's supposed to do? Yeah. Yeah. Still want to talk about dribble pasts. Yeah. Anyway, f- final little thing. Uh, Sean mentioned this yesterday. Um, he, he talked in the midweek apparently about how excited, fresh excitement he'd got from playing in the midfield. Uh, he hasn't signed a new contract yet. His contract runs out in 2025. Um, any final thoughts about that? Uh, you know, he, he may want to move to midfield if he does. You know, I think we should try to obviously you know figure out a way to make that happen. Go buy a, a right back and try to figure out a way to work him in the midfield. Maybe, you know, we could. I mentioned, I think, in the chat and, and um, I think Justin may have brought this up previously. I don't know. But we, we could move to like a 4-4-2 and play him as either the right center or the right side um, midfielder. Um, but you know, it, it's, I, I don't know. I, I, I can, I could understand why he'd want to move to midfield at this point mm-hmm. because, uh, it's just, people just relentlessly criticize him for playing fullback. It's gotta be exhausting, especially when he's asked to do more than any other fullback in the world, basically, yeah. you know, and, and he does an amazing job and he gets criticized for it. It's like, do you know my hot take on that is? It doesn't matter where he's fucking played. He's still going to be criticized. Because <laughs> it's Trent true. fucking Alexander-Arnold. Yeah. I don't know. He may think he's you no, know, he's going to get away with more criticism playing in midfield. Anyway, so just a thought. Something to keep an eye on, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, any other reflections on our performance before we get a few digs in at uh, the uh, 115 charges FC? Uh, I think the club's... Klopp's, it was interesting that Klopp used all five of his substitutes 
and Pep went with none of them. So I, I don't I don't know if that speaks to the fact that of 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 trust issues on one side and absolute trust on the other side, or the fact that potentially his bench isn't as strong as he thinks it, should, it potentially could be. And Paul, you and I talked about that the FFP stuff hanging over their head has got to play a part in the fact that they've been very, very quiet in the transfer market, especially in terms of incomings and in like the last, the last probably what, three windows, you know, you know, they've, they went big for Haaland. They got Doku. They got that uh, Guardiol. And I yep. can't really think of any too many other people that, uh, that, 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 that the big names or names really that they've brought in. So, well, Nunez, they brought in Nunez from Wolves. I think to replace Gundogan, but uh, how many times he played again? He's played a few, um, but he's injured. I think he he is um, actually injured as opposed to. Yeah. And he got what's his face from Chelsea too. Now that I'm thinking about it, Kovacic, Kovacic yeah. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I think I think the jury's if we can use the uh, the the Nunezism, I think the jury's very much out on that one. Yeah. Oh no! Fine player, fine player. Played played for some great teams. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So a few words on them. Um, I mean. I was already wound up about this when I saw his crappy interview, Guardiola this is, before the game, where he said he wasn't sure the Harlem was going to play. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Um, and he also said that uh, he wasn't concerned uh, about the charges, that he'd coach them in League One if that's where they ended up, which I thought was a very bizarre thing to say. Does that mean they've been talking about being relegated to League One? Um, which would be wonderful, of course. Oh, when we were talking about that, I thought you said League Earn, like they were going to go to France. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a team that they, whose model they could follow there, that's for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They could actually belong anywhere. I mean, they, 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 I think someone made a great point in one of the pieces I read about, you know, kind of the team that played at Main Road had, had a very identifiable identity. It feels like that's all completely gone with this, you know, this team could that could pick itself up and play anywhere in the world. Just happens to be on the east of Manchester. Well, the fact that uh, Guardiola had, had took again took a swipe at, at the the lack of the lack of crowd atmosphere. Yeah, maybe they should go to Liga. Uh-huh. Get some um, of those uh, ultras to uh, kind of help them out with the crowd. Bring a few, bring a few megaphones. Uh, oh, well, when you said help them out, I mean drag them outside, beat the crap out of them. You just think more. Think more, of course. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, the, the the so yeah, the crowd obviously he called out that they weren't very good. Um, a few people I read kind of who were there said, you know, the the, the like their favorite thing to do is just to boo. Um, obviously they had a couple of choruses of feed the scousers, which uh, you know, is about as classy as they get. Um, yeah, not not just not a nice group of people. Don't think I think I don't know how they developed into this kind of fan base from the team I remember watching at Main Road and that support there, which always seemed very genuine, especially that lady with a big bell that she used to ring um, uh, like during every game when City were doing well. Uh, probably before your time, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure the lady with the bell is no longer associated with them. Yeah. She's still associated with anything? How long um, are we talking? <laughs> <laughs> I think to your point, she may not be associated with anything. Yeah. Well, just to bring it back to the 115 charges yeah. FC point, uh, it's and and kind of folding it into the fandom. It's, I think that Liverpool supporters, especially of, of an older ilk, if we did something that was worthy of scorn, we we'd be there with the scorn. 
and yeah. you don't see too much of that. You see caping, you see people gaslighting, you see people trotting out trotting out tropes that that are, that are entirely disingenuous and intellectually dishonest. And that's, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess it, it just it just speaks to a different type of to different type of character. Like I'm not going to paint them all with the the, the exact same brush, but. And yeah, social media is maybe potentially not the best place to go because you do find most of the most of the worst takes on things. But yeah. it does seem to be pretty pervasive. And I don't realize that Pep has, has got to has got to speak about his club in, in somewhat glowing terms or saying that he's going to go down with the ship. There's no fuck. Let's just say let's put it out. There's no fucking chance because like that will no chance. Yeah, that will absolutely ruin ruin his his brand and his reputation. So there's, I've got more chance of spontaneously growing hair than he does stay like. Sticking around with that thing, that ship when it he knows it's absolutely going to go down. Yeah. Did, well, we were talking about this last night as well. Actually, having seen like this Liverpool team evolving now, you know, it makes you wonder whether he's got the stomach for thinking about like, oh shit, not these buggers again. Well, it's not dead. It's like you have to rebuild. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's well, that, that, yeah, that's the thing. Like he made no subs, and when you look at his bench, it's like Calvin Phillips, Grawdy, uh, all like. If you went through them and, and looked looked at uh, how much all the players on their bench cost that they bought, um, it it would be some incredible amount of money. So, like the idea that he doesn't have options is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Well, they do have Bob. Whoever Bob is, <laughs> there's a guy on the bench called Bob. Bob's <laughs> a good pint. Bob is definitely a good pint. Very funny. Apparently, he came on in the loss at Wolves. Uh, I did. I did hear. Um, Gareth Roberts said that. Um, yeah, well, enough about enough about that. Um, so I mean, overall, something to be pleased about, something to build on. Um, and we'll talk, we'll talk in the final part about kind of where everybody else is and about what we think our chances are uh going forward. But we're gonna end part one there. So welcome back to part two of First Day Copites. We're going to look ahead uh, for the next week or so. Uh, we've got Lask at home on Thursday. Uh, we've got Fulham at home next Sunday, uh, 9 a.m. Eastern. And then we've got Sheffield United away on the Tuesday. Uh, sorry, is it on the, on the Wednesday? Um, which, which gives us more than 72 hours between the Fulham and Sheffield United games but it gives us less than 72 hours between Lask and Fulham and then Sheffield United and Crystal Palace away, another 7.30 start the following weekend. Um, so uh, where do we go with this? Uh, looks like we won't have Jota or Allison um, for the next few games. Um, clearly, that could be much worse given given the opponents. Um, what, what are your thoughts about how to kind of manage our way through this run of essentially what four games, three Premier League games in seven days? Uh, you know, I, I'm assuming there's some easy calls like Ben Doak uh, will play against Lask, um, but then managing it next week might be a bit more tricky with the the turnaround being much shorter. Sean, yeah, um, I mean, I think we, I think we still have. Uh, enough options to kind of get through. Hopefully, um, particularly Allison's injury isn't too serious. Um, I think we can manage around losing Jota a lot easier than losing Allison. 
but like I said, it, you know, it's um, we have Lask and Fulham and then Sheffield United. Um, hopefully, you know, at, at least Allison wouldn't be out longer than that. Um, Lask and Fulham are both at home and uh, Sheffield United's away, but they're, you know, the, the last place team in the league. So, um, you know, it's not it's not a tough stretch for us to manage through. But, um, you know, we have we have Diaz back and um, we'll have to rotate. But I think we we have gotten a little bit healthier in midfield. So, you know, that that should should be uh, doable. And yeah, maybe maybe Ben Doke has to you know, pick up a few more minutes than he normally does over the next few matches. But um, I don't I don't think it's. Um, as much of a challenge, I, I, I think I would worry more about, um, you know, making sure that, that the defense sort of stays healthy while Robertson's out. Yeah. I, I do think an easy call might be to play chambers on against Lask, um, to give uh, Simicas some, some time off. Uh, mm-hmm. and then he, he, tr- he played Jones against, uh, Union saint a right back. I'm wondering whether that's a possibility uh, depends on whether he considers Jones a first choice starter for Fulham or for um, the Sheffield United games. I, I think, in terms of personnel, uh, as as kind of cynical as is to say, this is probably the best time for specifically Ali to potentially miss. Hopefully, like crossing fingers, toes, and every other thing I can possibly cross myself. Um, I think it's it's potentially these run of games are the, could be the best time for it to happen. Um, having Kelleher back there doesn't fill me with, with a ton of excitement. However, it does make me feel a little bit more warm and squishy that we have him and we don't have to rely on Adrian. Uh, however, in terms of personnel for, for last last really look, we, it's a game that we, we, we need to win because if we win and to lose uh, and somehow uh Union Sinjua get get a, a result out to to lose then we can we can kick back and put our heels up for the 14th game against Union Sinjua we can play the tea lady and and her three grandchildren if we want <laughs> but um but uh, yeah i i think i think he will rotate somewhat heavily in terms of your question about jones jones needs minutes we have five subs i think he'll rotate very very heavily and then, if we do need to get a result, he'll bring the he'll bring the, the the heavy the heavy guns on for like the last thirty minutes or so. Fulham, Fulham's like I don't know, man. Fulham's like a, always a banana skin for me because like I know they haven't been great, and you were talking about what they you can go into talk about what how how toothless they have looked recently, Paul. But it's also one of those teams that like when they show up, they can they can be they can be a tricky outfit to play against. Um, Sheffield. If you want, I, I know that you've got that in the agenda, so we can talk about that in a second. But in terms of, in terms of of personnel, I think, like I said, I, we have five subs. It's it's not a it's. I don't think it should be a particularly tricky fixture. I think that he can sprinkle some some youth in there, uh, quite quite heavily actually. And if if it turns out that we need someone to come in and do some do some actual work for us to to win the game, we can do that. Yeah, so let's let's uh, let's just do a little bit of a deeper dive into Fulham. Uh, I you're right. I did call him toothless. Um, Jimenez scored his first goal in oh a long time. This is certainly his first goal for Fulham um, against Villa. Uh, it was before the international break. Um, it should be pointed out that it was three nil at the time, and that only basically made it three one, which is the final score. Um, so defensively, you know, it's conceding three at Villa. 
has 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 been has been done by quite a few teams. Um, so you know it could be that defensively they're not too bad, even though they're relying on what thirty six year old Tim Ream, um, mm. which somehow feels doesn't feel quite right. Um, but they but going forward in the games I've seen them play, they've really looked not they've they've not got an obvious way to score a goal. I think it's fair to say. Um, they do play Wolves tomorrow, which I think will be an interesting test because kind of based on where I think the strata of the league lines up currently, uh, I think Wolves will beat them um, probably. And if they don't, then that probably says that maybe the Fulham game is more challenging than I'm giving it credit for. And any thoughts on Fulham, Sean? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Fulham, you know, they're the best side of these three that we're playing. Um they they've been decent this year. Um, overall, recently they've they've lost quite a few games, but um, yeah, it's, I mean it's an interesting one. But playing at Anfield, I, I don't really give Fulham much of a chance. Uh, if we were playing at Fulham, I'd be a little bit concerned about that one. Mm. But um, but I think being at home, you know, will help us a lot there. Um, but I mean, you know, they they got a draw against Brighton recently. They they've lost three matches, four matches recently, but it was to Chelsea, Tottenham, Man U, and Villa. So they're all good teams that they've lost to. We're um, a good team. Well, no, that's what I, you know. I I I don't think we should have too much trouble with Fulham, but um, they're I think you know they're a better team than Lask or uh, Sheffield United. So I guess you know if you're managing those three games, you probably want to play your strongest lineup against Fulham. I would think. Yeah, so so you you're right. They did uh, draw at um, Brighton. I did see the uh, Spurs game actually, and the other centre back that came from Rangers, whose name escapes me right now, um, w- was definitely the the mug in the press uh, as far as Tottenham were concerned. Like they mm-hmm. put a lot of pressure on him. He sp- kind of spilled the ball a couple of times, and that's how Tottenham scored. So um, that will be interesting to look at who they've got playing at centre back. That uh, Calvin Bassey. Calvin Bassey, that's him. Yes, yeah. It's interesting that they would do that with him rather than Tim Ream because I don't think Tim Ream's strength is being on the ball necessarily. <laughs> I mean, there's just generally something wrong with uh, you know, given his career trajectory, how he always like like Premier League defender. Um, yeah, I, I, it's funny. I think I think Ream's a better defender now than he than he was you know earlier in his career. He's probably just gotten smarter, I guess. But yeah, anyway, yeah. yeah, it's usually the trajectory of center center backs that they're, they're much. They're much better as they get more cultured. But he's 36. I mean, he's yeah. he's getting up. It's a lot of culture. It's one thing, one thing to, to do that when you're 30, 31. <laughs> it's another when you're 36. Yeah. But uh, I think Calvin Bassey is supposed to be like a really good big talent, but, you know, maybe he's just inexperienced. And he did not, not look great on the ball against Spurs. Yeah. Um, and I think he played against United as well, and he did, equally did not look great, but they weren't good enough to take advantage of, of that. Then the Sheffield United. Um, it's a it's a night match, which I think they'll be more up for that than um, than they might have been had it been a early Saturday afternoon kickoff. They also drew a Brighton, interestingly enough, which maybe says something about where Brighton have been the last. Yeah, the Brighton haven't been their best lately. Yeah, they've had but one. Injuries. They were super yeah. lucky to beat Wolves with a dodgy last minute penalty decision, uh, which seems par for the course if you're Wolves. Um, my my. Well, we'll do predictions, but my my thought is if we score early here, they've shown that they'll wilt. Um, and they do face Burnley next weekend, so you know if if I'm them, uh, I'm I'm picking my best team against 
whatever that is against Burnley in the mm-hmm. hope you know I could take points off them uh, and maybe you know I'm I'm not so I'll, I'll get whatever I get from the Liverpool game it won't be as important I don't know a thought what do you think does my only concern for Sheffield is small pitch going to play like it's their cup final backs against the wall the same thing we saw against Luton so yeah we're going to have to find I know they might surprise me and they might come out swinging and see if they can get an early goal and then and then just dig in uh, get into the trenches but uh, I think it's incumbent on us to be able to go there and kind of exercise those specters that we saw at Luton and 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 frankly in some other games we played last year as well when low block teams that we struggled against yeah um uh, so I, I'm I'm not I'm not going to suggest how clubs should do it I, I don't get paid enough money for that but he is going to need to find a way or the personnel that that goes in for a either for a smash and grab or just find that battering ram that finds its way through that that really tightly packed defense. Um, to your point, I think I think it's it's probably the same model. If we had scored early on Luton, if that one of the crossbar had had gone in early, I think it would have been a completely different kettle of fish. So if we can put one in with the first 25, 30 minutes. Um, I think their resolve will probably crumble a little bit. So, yeah. uh, but again, I, I think it's going to be a really, a really spawny game. A lot of, lot of probably ticky tack fouls. Um, just trying to throw us off our rhythm. I, th- I think if we score early, we we win at three 0 Yeah. Well, so I think the th- the thing that makes me think, uh, you know, clearly we have to score. But I think that makes me think Sheffield United are perhaps might might find it difficult to sustain that you know like it's like a cup match mentality which i think luton have done very well uh in their home games because they haven't, luton haven't been beaten by anybody you know uh, at home by by any significant score uh whereas sheffield united have already been beaten 8-0 by newcastle they lost 3-1 at the weekend to bournemouth um who are I think, still in like 16th place in the league um so i i, I say I, that paul looking at the schedule closer <laughs> The one to, to to look out for, or that I guess that I'm I'm concerned about looking at this is the Palace match. Mm. It's uh, 7:30 kickoff after the the late kickoff that we have against Sheffield on Wednesday. We yeah. got to turn around and play away at Palace at 7:30 on Saturday, or you know it'd be 12:30. Yeah. So there's almost no rest between those two matches because we're playing away at Sheffield at night on Wednesday, and then. You know, kickoffs twelve thirty at Palace on Saturday, so um, so we'll, we'll have like minimal time to train probably on Friday. That'll be it. Well, Palace Palace also does have they have West Ham, Bournemouth, and then us, and they do play uh, Bournemouth on, on Wednesday too. So okay. that actually might work in our favor because these guys have the muscle memory of of the two to three games in in seven days, whereas they they have three in like they have three in six. Yeah, that's so, a good point. Yeah, for for all for both Sheffield and uh, Palace, I guess. If it, well, I, I don't know, but um, yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that's that's a good point. But um, but I I, I think in general, you know, I, I'd be looking for Klopp to just rotate the strongest team for both of the weekends and rotate out a little bit midweek against Lask and Sheffield, and you know, you're going to have to rotate. Um, yeah. one way or another so like if you have to play a weaker team i'd rather play the weaker team against those two but i do think the five subs will help 
um, yeah. in, in all of these games, being able to give people, you know, effectively what what, what did someone describe the Europa League games as kind of you know glorified training sessions, uh, you know, except, except obviously for the last one against Toulouse, which turned into something else. Um, I, I do I think part of the reason why I'm looking for reasons why Sheffield United might be bad is it'd be really nice to for that to be an easy game and then uh, be rested and ready to go against Palace. Um, and if I'm if I'm thinking about Hodgson's mentality, um, he's putting his eggs in the Bournemouth basket, isn't he? Um, yeah, because he thinks he'll get points from that game. Yeah, was, yeah. So it'll it'll be hodgeball against us. Right, right, right. <laughs> whatever we can do. We can. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, I guess we we talked a little bit about um, kind of team selection. Any any final thoughts about um, kind of formations in any of these? I guess there's a block of four games, but I'm thinking mostly about the next next three. Well, I don't think you'll change the formation much for the last game because most of the people that are coming in have probably trained for a particular particular formation. So yep. there's any tweaks there probably, and he's and he'll probably change significantly enough that it, you don't want to throw a different spanner into into the works. Sorry, wrench. I'm showing I'm showing my affiliations there. Um, Are you what you I know me and you. That's it, <laughs> Sean. You can leave. Um, <laughs> so I, I I don't I don't I don't think he'll take this opportunity with this bunch of games that are packed so tightly on top of one another to try and. T- things although am I correct in thinking that we finished more in a 442 against City yeah yeah I mean he definitely moved Salah central uh in the in the in the final phase of the game yeah yeah it was we I, I yeah I was I, I I didn't have a chance to watch it back but we definitely did something different there um it might have been a 442 he definitely moved Salah central but I'm not sure exactly what that was, but yep. I, I mean, and then if we're going to accommodate Elliot in, in a few of these games, mm-hmm. then it may be worth thinking about playing playing the four four two, particularly if Jota is out for any length of time, so that there's more opportunities for rotation. We did it when against Bournemouth too, didn't we? We went to a four four one after I think we went down to ten men because Sobosla was talking about how he was supposed to sit back and he was yeah. bombing on anyway. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's let's do some quick predictions on Lask, Fulham, Sheffield United. What's your hopes and expectations about scores, Sean? Uh scores for all of those, huh? Um, I mean, I I I think we're likely to win all of them. Um, last, well, last at home, you could see that being like a two nil or three nil. Um, you know, Fulham also at home, maybe like two one, and then the Sheffield away. Yeah, I could see that being you know like a one or two nil to us. Okay, um, yeah, that sounds more pessimistic than I am, but okay. <laughs> I just think it's a, yeah. I, I think it's I think it's a rough stretch for us, you know. Yeah, yeah. and and a lot of rotation and. Um, you know, if we like you know, the, mid, the midfield, we start. I, I don't. I, I think the part of the thing against City with us on the ball is that was a group of players that hasn't played together in a long time with with Jones in the midfield. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, 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 you know, it might it might take a couple games for that to click too if they even stay together because we have to rotate so much. So I think there'll be some of that. Yeah. 
For sure. I think uh, one of the things worth saying is that now there's no international breaks till March. This, I think, gives us a real chance to get some rhythm around the midfield, which, I mean, I know you said that they only played one game. This That particular midfield last played together, what, in um, beginning of October? Um, but this midfield altogether, whoever you pick, hasn't played that many games together, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things. So I think time on the pitch for uh, whichever three it is, is, is going to be invaluable. What, what, what are your thoughts, Daz, about predictions? I'm going to go with Sean, two or three nil for Lask. Uh, I think Fulham will, will. I think Fulham. Uh, I think they might give us. They might give us a run. So I'm going to go three one Fulham. And then Sheffield. I think Sheffield's going to probably be end up being more of a spawny game than we think it is. And I think to Sean's point, it'd be like a, a two one for us. They'll yeah. get like they'll get some jammy goal, and and then it'll sting us into action, and 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 we'll put two past them. Yeah, I feel I feel um so I've given this perhaps a bit more thought. Um what well, we beat last three one away. Um they struck me as perhaps the least capable of the teams in this group. Um I think the results suggest that um against the other teams. So I could quite easily see this, even with sort of Ben Doak in the starting lineup, I could see this being a three, maybe four nil. Um, or maybe you know, Simicast will give them a goal, which he's done in a few of the midweek matches we've had this season. Um I think We've scored three against, uh, I think, every opponent at our field apart from Everton uh, this season. Oh, wow. Really? Have we all season? Uh, yeah. Um, I think I'm right in saying. I mean, there's been a bunch of three ones, and there's been, I think it's been three nil, uh, two of the last three. Um, so I could I could see I could see scoring three here. And again, I, I don't know where they're going to get a goal from, Fulham, if we play uh, half decently in defense, which... You know, I think more as the season's gone on at home, we've increasingly been solid uh, at home. And then the Sheffield United game, probably the hardest one. Um, but to your point you made earlier about Crystal Palace, Sheffield United are also not used to playing two games a week. Um, so it does make me wonder whether how committed they'll be to, uh, to, to playing out a difficult game against us, given they need points and the other two games they're playing potentially give them more chance of points than ours does. So... So it was a good shot there, Paul, about winning, beating everyone except except uh, 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 Brighton in the league. Yeah, that we've beaten everyone else by three at home except Everton and Union San Juan in the Europa League. We beat them two. Yeah, that, I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 the numbers at home. I think we talked about this last week. Are incredible. Yeah. Uh, so, well, uh, and that's why I feel I, I feel pretty comfortable with the first two matches there. Yeah. Okay, um, so uh, feeling uh, I personally feel quite good about the sequence that's coming up. Hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll avoid injuries and um, and and suspensions, which I think will really help the team develop kind of more of a rhythm. Let, let's end part two there, and then we'll come back and do a brief bit on what's happening elsewhere. Anything we can uh, dr- we can draw out of uh, Everton's uh, experience today, where they lost three 0 against uh, Man United, um, despite the crowd being. Uh, pretty angry, it seems fair to say. Let's end part two there. Hey, welcome back to part three of First Day Copites. We're just going to do a quick round of what's going on everywhere else. Let's start with Everton because we haven't had a conversation um, since their 10-point deduction, which obviously they took very well. Um, 
the protests today were, were really interesting. Um, they had uh, fireworks outside the ground. They had everyone was had these cards with corrupt written on them about the the Premier League. Um, I thought that the thing that I found most interesting about all of the comments they made is I love the line in their response said, which said, "We look forward with interest to what happens to other people." <laughs> who are facing charges or words to that effect. <laughs> and indeed, I do look forward with interest to uh, what might happen to those people. You know, you, uh, you do the crime, you should do the time, right? It's just, I, I think that the issue here is is not that Erdogan's getting a, the, the punishment, it's that specifically City and Chelsea have not over the course of many years. And yeah. um, it's just ridiculously hypocritical when they when they apply these rules to other clubs um and, and a lot of times the, the clubs that get slammed by these are like you know lower table or championship clubs you know that break the rules and they they throw the hammer at them but anybody that's in the top four usually skates um it was yeah it was, chelsea was doing all kinds of shady stuff for a long time and nobody did anything or would even talk about it because they'd get sued. And, um, and then city has been doing it for whatever, 10, 15 years now. Allegedly. And, yeah. Well, no. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think I said in the chat, like it, it's, it's in some ways, I, I think it's better. I, I think overall it's better for them to get the penalty now than it would be later in the season. Um, because now at least they kind of know what they're up against and they can, you know, try to get themselves out of relegation, and then then it's just done. Um, if they were to get that penalty, even at the like, you know, I don't even know how they would do it at the beginning of the season, but the beginning or end of a season, I feel like it'd be you know more difficult in some ways. But um, I don't know. It, it's 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 a tough one for them. But you know, you break the rules, you should be punished. So. Yeah, yeah. A couple of things. Uh, I'll get your take on this, Daz, but. It doesn't seem a reason for the ten points. I think the the, the I think they have a legitimate uh, sort of bleat about that because it, it it wasn't obvious how you came up with ten, um, and and I know they keep saying you only get nine point deduction for going into administration, um, but if it feels like there should should be more clarity around that. Having said that, I think the the complaint about we only spent nineteen point five million more. Um, the backdrop here is really interesting, right? Because they had those 300 million losses during COVID, which somehow they managed to be excused for. Um, they, they, the, the, the limit of 105 million overspend in three years is, is was thought to be a limit that would never be broken. It was, you know, kind of guidelines for a healthy business. So the fact that 19.5 above that is 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 not saying they only spent 19.5 million more than they were allowed. They kind of went to the limits and beyond. Uh, and then the final thing is that apparently they pissed off the um, Premier League with one a couple of times, but one particular thing was they sold Luca Dina for 25 million to balance the books. But then in the same window, spent 30 million on Nathan Patterson and Michelenko. Um, um, well, so they spent five million more, having tried to balance the books, and this apparently <laughs> was, a, was it didn't. I think if you add all this up, then yes, they clearly broke the rules. Um, yes, they the some punishments deserved. It'd be nice to have greater clarity about how they got to ten points, so that when we get to the city charges, we can be clear why they're in League One or League Two, or they got a thousand points taken off them. Well, it's 
what they did there was like they essentially mugged Peter to pay Paul. Look, I, I, I don't think that the the Premier League if they do arbitrary very well. Um, that's it, I don't think it's they they're necessarily required to give a reason as to why they chose ten. When I really leaned in was when the clubs that got relegated because be, uh, that are arguing that they got relegated because of what Everton had done or and how it financially impacted them. That's when I really leaned in because should this go ahead with City, um, mm -hmm. that can of worms becomes giant. And I think Nick Harris was talking to that on that podcast with, oh, that, that, uh, that show he watched with Al and, mm -hmm. uh, and Gary Lineker. And it was Alan Shearer, for those of you that haven't seen it, the Nick Harris was calling him Al colloquially, which I thought was very sweet because Alan Shearer will headbutt you into the next room. <laughs> um, it, that's when I really sat up and took notice. Like 10 points, okay, to, to Sean's point, they knew they'd done wrong. They actually went to they went to the the, the was it the FA was it the FA that they went to the independent commission they went to yeah and said like look we're in trouble here what do we need to do and then and they didn't follow that like they I think there was a Premier League that they went to oh so yeah two two things they 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 went and like said you know we're in trouble you know can we get your help this was after they'd lost all that COVID money by the way yeah. so they were already you know kind of like basically running on empty but they then when they were originally given the charge they said we're not guilty and then apparently a week or two before the decision um to you know about what the was going to be they then came back and said oh we're sorry we were wrong we're, we're guilty um, well it's again like if you think about it when when people are judging people when you ask for clemency and they offer you some mm -hmm. and then you fuck that up people are way less likely to to be kind to you or or, or or potentially be less punitive, so uh, that might that might speak to the, the size of the point deduction that that they got. It's like, look, you know, we, we, here's your olive branch. Do this, do that, and and like we might we're still going to do something, but it's not potentially going to be as bad as it could be, like it as it as it has been. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm really I'm I'm most keen to find out, as they said, with great with great interest, to see what happens as a result of this because. City City could be in a world of pain. And if you notice, like a, a lot of the teams that they go for, like Pompey, um, who else got really hit with it? Was uh was it uh, that was really the last big one? Um, I think they took uh, points off Middlesbrough. It was Middlesbrough, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not showing up, but it was three points and not showing up to a game. Yeah, that that, that ended up that they, they they went down by a point, if you remember. So they generally remember. tend to pick on yeah. on smaller teams because I, I don't think that they really have the stomach or the bottle to be able to go after these teams that will just basically uh, like plow them under a, a an avalanche of of expensive lawyers and uh, that, that I don't think that they really that they that this these rules weren't designed to 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 meet to 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 be hit by that kind of rigor against them. Uh, I think it was more like, like, oh, it's you guys play fair, we'll play fair. And then people are like, we're not even going to lean against the fences. We're going to smash them. And it's incumbent on you to set, to tell us if you're going to build those fences back up or if you're going to buttress them next time. And they haven't. So uh, that's why I don't have much, I'm not holding out much hope that, that, that City will get what they need. And then it's also with City, you're talking about governments are getting involved in this now. Yeah. So it's it's and we talked about this yesterday. This is like, again, and why would you have a state owner that you have an entire backing of a state? Like it's it's 
if something like this does happen, then like what's that expression like man who gets face eaten by leopards or a man that votes for party that that of 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 leopards eat people's faces gets face eaten by a leopard like it's like you you you've you've opened it up to this yeah yeah i think the only thing that i i kind of hold on to is the fact that of the teams that have the, had the punishments they're clearly not the biggest supported teams you know and we can argue about who is the best supported but city are not in the top 4 around the world for in terms of global fan base and and that I think may may uh, make it slightly easier to punish them because th that's not going to hurt the broadcasters um, and the people who like pay for Premier League content quite as much as if you try to do this to like Man United or Liverpool or Arsenal. But how do they generate that much revenue then if they're not that well supported? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, I, I read that in the Athletic this week. Uh, I don't know if I shared this with who I shared. I think I shared it with both of you. That uh, they mentioned, mentioned a City writer in an article about like is there a rivalry between Liverpool and Man City? Talked about that United and Liverpool had missed opportunities in local markets to kind of extract the maximum from their commercial arrangements. <laughs> this was a legitimate piece of journalism. Okay, see, <laughs> enters the chat. <laughs> Yeah, 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 right, right, right. I was into if, if I told you the show, I told us to Daz when I used to watch City games, and yesterday's the first I've seen of them this season. I used to always look at like who were the sponsors and then Google them and discover if they were real companies or not. And sure enough, we Googled OKC, who were on the billboard yesterday, which is a crypto company which doesn't trade in most countries. It's yeah, but somehow they're sponsoring. Uh, those commercial powerhouses of Manchester City. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so I'm going to go to your one of your favorite topics, Sean, which is Chelsea losing. Oh uh, yeah, fa fascinating stuff. There's, <laughs> there's like a show they have on uh, on on Peacock where it's with an English guy. Is it Prince Wright? Is his name? Interviews these two Americans. I don't know who they are, but they're full of opinions and they're usually wrong. And, and last week I saw them saying, Oh, yeah, Chelsea will definitely beat Newcastle. No question. They're on a roll now. Yeah. So, anyway, the Chelsea sequence obviously is very, you know, it, it, it looks appealing. It's a 4 1, 4 4, 1 4. I, I you know a nice, nice sequence for them. I, that gave them four points in three games, which, if they continued to that, would probably put them firmly in the lower middle of the table reached james's record you want to talk about that well uh, you know but the thing with chelsea is it's hard to figure out how they're they're this bad right now um because they have a lot of talented players on the on the team and um pochettino you know is a pretty good manager you can quibble about if he's at the, the level that some people hold him in but you know he did get that Spurs team to a Champions League final, played pretty well against us. And then, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a good manager. Um, they, they've gotten, they've been a little bit better, I guess, recently, but um, yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's kind of shocking that they just continue to, uh, to get these results, especially the amount that they're conceding. Um, yeah. You know, if you're going to apply the, the standard to, to Trent, like how is, you know, that's a good point, though. Like, how how is Reese James never getting any criticism when that defense is this bad? And he's at fault for so many of the problems there sometimes. Location, it, location, location. 
it's just uh it's you know and and, and he's he can never stay healthy he's injured all the time which I, you know it's not his fault but um we'll suspend it there, there's there's just it's again so, so so there's almost you see almost no criticism of him or Trippier. um yeah i mean Trippier had had a i think he had a good game this past weekend i didn't see it you know game against chelsea whatever but um he does also take all of their free kicks so that always pads his stats a little bit and he's a good free kick taker sure but like he takes literally all of them um and then um but yeah like I think there was one match recently. I don't know if it was before the break or not. He, he was, I mean, he was horrible. Like I watched him and he was genuinely like bad. Like if I, I was sitting there thinking like if Trent ever played this bad, we would never hear the end of it. They'd be demanding that Klopp bench him or something. Like, um, well, they all had poor performances. I think in that away game at Dortmund, right? Yeah, well, and, then, and then the biggest thing with that, and there was no coverage of this. I, I didn't see it all, but I saw it on, on, um, on uh, Twitter, I think. He got into like a shouting match with the Newcastle fans in the stands. He was yeah. like yelling at his own fans because they were being critical of him. And I was like, but there's no coverage of that at all. No criticism, nothing. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, if you're, I don't know what it is. Like if, if you're one of Southgate's, you know. Chosen people. Yeah. Chosen ones, they just won't criticize you at all. And, you yeah. know, if you, if you don't get picked, there's got to be something wrong with you because Gareth Southgate thinks so. Like. I don't know if that's it. I, I, you know, it's hard. It's hard for me sometimes to understand it. But, um, you know, I, I hope I hope Chelsea finishes in the bottom half of the league again this year, and you know that'd be great. I, I, I just it, it's it's kind of mind boggling to me that they haven't been able to figure that out yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm still shooting for Conference League. I'm I'm all on board with this. Just yeah, enough. no, Conference League <laughs> would be ideal. That would be ideal. <laughs> but then then they'll they'll win the Conference League, and then they'll like they'll they'll post about that. Well, They've got to get past the FFP thing first. Also, don't they don't they have Democles' sword hanging over their head as well? So yeah, so I don't know if you saw the show. Supposedly, this week Guardian, uh, together with somebody else, uncovered all of these things around these shell companies that Abramovich had owned, moving players and ownership of players and money to to various Chelsea personnel um, that wasn't showing up. They don't think on uh, in Chelsea's finances. Um, I mean, was that not obvious for years that there was something like that going on when, when they when they had um, they they would have like thirty players at a time out on loan all over Europe and crap and and every single year they did it and they were paying you know they there was uh, at least I, the reporting I saw was saying they were paying you know all their youth players like double the wages anybody else was like it just reeked of shady yeah. financial stuff going on and and there was never any coverage of it I mean, it was it was just it was just basically fans like pointing it out well to your point i think anytime anyone went after abramovich he sued right yeah yeah but, there were there were a couple articles that were written and every time he, he sued yeah, yeah. So, so i don't know if, if if it's like obvious but nobody's surprised are they i mean i think that's the it's like oh yeah yeah that probably yeah that's conceivable but it's yeah, interesting that, that Chelsea seems to somehow get a free pass now. But potentially, so the, the, the old expression is like you shouldn't kick a man, but when he's down. But the best time to kick him is when he is down. <laughs> and I think that this is probably the, like an example of that. Chelsea's fortunes are somewhat in uh, uh, are waning, and this is the best time to take a stab at them because Todd Bowley doesn't have much standing. 
Um, there, there's an organization they've definitely taken pelters. Yeah. So that th- why not, why not come at them now? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not to say that they don't have like the same similar type of legal representation that, 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 that a state sponsored team is going to have, but that's the, if you're going to do it, do it now. Yeah. And because they are really, they have really, really fallen from grace and it's not just necessarily their fortunes. I think that the, that the center prevailing sentiment around the team, they were the team that everyone loved to hate because they were, they were the team that ostensibly ruined ruined English football originally uh, because of what the, the way they bought players, because yeah. of the way that they did, because of the way that they they handled their finances. To Sean's point, but yeah, so that's yeah. like Sean to your to your point. Like, why would why spend any more time than you need to thinking about what 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 Chelsea isn't or is not doing? Like, yeah. go outside, take a walk, take your kids to, on a bike ride. Do something. <laughs> I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. It's just like. It's it's just crazy to me, like the amount of money. I mean, they you know over a billion dollars on this on this squad, um, and and a lot of them are you know were were genuinely like you know Caicedo and Enzo Fernandez, like these were like highly rated players when they bought them, and yeah. they've just been terrible at Chelsea. Like, it, it's just it's you got it's I don't know. It just makes you wonder like what's going on there that that's so toxic. So one thing I'd say that actually is Sean because I know I know you. You know, have, have a lot of negativity around Chelsea, but <laughs> I'm thinking about when you started watching Liverpool. Like in that period between you started watching what 2005 to now, Chelsea have dramatically altered Liverpool's potential to have won things over that period significantly. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. and and in and and now we're learning, I guess to your point, what we probably could have guessed, which is that it was all built on money flowing through and and not being recorded. Well, there were a number of players that we were in for that, that ended up going to Chelsea, right? Yeah. yeah. Over the years. Yeah. 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 I mean, Willian is one of the ones that sticks out the most. I mean, imagine if we got Willian, you know, I think we ended up with good players anyway, but he was a great player for Chelsea for a long time, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. that that's, that's not it so much to me. The thing that really rubs me the wrong way with Chelsea is just their fans are so obnoxious. Yeah. You know? um, and they probably fit in the uh, EFL. Um, right. Yeah. Just fans there. Okay. I, I I know you need to run. There were two more yeah. things. Just quickly get this from you. Um, like overall, we'll, we'll, doesn't I'll spend a few more minutes looking at some of the other results that went on yesterday and today. Um, you know, I think Neil Atkinson made the point that we could win this fucking league. Um, apparently, um, Kyle Walker was quoted yesterday, having been asked, "Was this team as good as Liverpool's in the past?" He quoted as saying, "Not even close." Ah. Well, I mean, you know, well, that was interesting. it's if you're comparing it to the 2018 to 2020 team, I don't know if you're saying not even close, but it's definitely not as I, I don't think it's as good as those teams were. But yeah. those, I mean, we like those those teams were nearly perfect. Yeah. And we've talked about it in the calendar year 2019. What do we lose one match the whole year or something like that? I mean, it, it was it was incredible. Yeah. 103 uh, points out of 105. Yeah. One you know, so yeah, if you're comparing it to that, but yeah. this team's still pretty damn good. I mean, I think this team should be getting in and around 90 points the way they're playing right now. I mean, I, I don't think we're quite on that pace yet, but we've had a lot go against us so far this season. I mean, of course, other things can happen, like injuries and whatever, but yeah, this is this is I don't know, somewhere between uh an 85 to 95 point team, I think, right now. I mean, I I'd I would almost be surprised if we didn't end up in that range somewhere the way they're playing. So so clearly the home form is 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 kind of you know 
and there's only one way that can go because it's it's like perfect. Um, but we've played a lot of difficult teams, I think, on the road. And yeah. you know, we start beating Sheffield United and Crystal Palace. Um, I, I you know I think I think in March we can be in this. Well, um, and then the other thing I'd say is that there are still, I think, a number of players that I would expect to improve as the season goes on. Right. Um, you know, I like like I think Gravenberch and Nunez stand out to me as as two that could just continue to grow and get better, you know, barring injury, knock on wood. Um, but well, there's, there's also the thing that Chelsea don't seem to recognize, which is that you need a team dynamic. Mm-hmm. Well, right? yeah. You can't just like sign and, and expect them to all, all fit together like some baseball team. <laughs> um, so I think we have we have time on our side for, from that perspective. Yeah. All right. Well, I got to run. Thank to... you. Thank you, guys. Good to see you, Sean. Thank you. Yep. So, so, so Dallas, same same thought. We can win this thing. Well, to, to, to Sean's point, and I think that you were, we intimated at this last night when we chatted, is like this team hasn't hit its straps yet. Like when they've they've had how many international breaks? Two, three? Three. three. Yeah. And so all that time on the training pitch or developing those partnerships that we're talking about. And I was just thinking about this as you guys were chatting there. It's we we, we talk about I, I think that the this this the club 2.0 team is also club 2.0. I think that he's really taken to the idea of those five subs. And it was mentioned in a couple of different places about how this like it's tough to get. The, the the maximum out of a player that knows he's only going to get probably ten minutes of ten minutes a week, whereas all of these guys know that they're always injury or not they're always in with us with a shot for selection at starting and if they don't start Klopp will start making those subs with th- with thirty forty minutes to go so these guys have a genuine place in the squad and the more that he does that the more those develop those relationships will develop across all of the different permutations of what that midfield looks like eventually they're going to figure it out between all of them and now that we have this run of games even though they are coming thick and fast like that esprit de corps is going to get is going to get deeper the the like the, the understanding is going to get stronger and eventually you're going to see like Curtis Jones and, and Gravenberch could, could start and finish one game right after the other one starting one, one finishing and vice versa. Uh, uh, you could, you could find uh, Harvey, Harvey Elliott slotting into that four, four, two seamlessly eventually. Like it's, I think that it's, it's not just necessarily the team that's undergoing a change. I think it's clock too. seems to seems like he's not as reliant. If you think about it, it was game in game out. It was Fabinho. It was Henderson. It was, it was, um, uh, what's his face? The Dutchman. I was, I was his oh, Wijnaldum. Yeah. Wijnaldum. Thank you. Yeah. And it was, he, he relied on the same guys to go and go again. And I think last year, as probably two seasons ago, really disavowed him of that, that that cannot happen. If this team wants to be successful deep into seasons and across seasons, he's going to have to change the way that he thinks or the way that this team does something. Because we had a ridiculous number of injuries that, that piled up right in the COVID, like right before the COVID season, throughout the COVID season, and then beyond. So, like, which is testament to Klopp's ability to, to for old dogs to learn new tricks. And I know how much you love your. Uh, we'll, we'll go with all of the, uh, the cliches. The, the cliches, yeah. You can change your spots and you can learn new tricks. <laughs> Slide those two in there for you. But he, he can change. He's it, and which is which is great to see. And and he's got buy-in. So yeah. we've like I think that become January, end of February, early March. To your point, I I think that barring injuries, holding holding thumbs, like you'll see. The, 
that this that the like all the rhythm and all the harmony will be together. So everyone's going to be on the same song sheet. Here we go. Some more cliches. <laughs> Is that a song sheet or a hymn sheet? <laughs> uh, there you go. One re- one less religious than the other. But um, so I, it's, it's, I'm, I'm excited to see it. And I think I said to you yesterday, I wasn't really all that concerned about the, the result of the City match, which is very, very unusual. It had the potential to ruin my day. For, yeah, it did. But it wasn't going to ruin my weekend. Um, and we came out of it... Uh, Largely unscathed. Well, uh, I guess we uh, the alley and the the Jota injuries, or that there is some some slight scathing there. Well, it might it might be not good, but hopefully. Anyway, it was that was a long rant, just because I, I, as you guys were talking, I thought about that. It's, it feels like it's not just a, an evolution of the squad; it's an evolution of Klopp's thinking about the way to to man to act and legitimately manage his teams. I I think that's I think that's spot on, actually. Yeah, I mean, I, there have been times when we had the three subs where. He didn't even use them right. He, 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 it wasn't just that he went with the same midfield. Like that same midfield would be playing 95 minutes. Whereas yesterday, Gravenberg paid 45 minutes. And he played uh, very well. Yeah, yeah. But if he had on the eight minutes when he came on the 53rd, you know, he's playing half of the game effectively. Um, let's let's just finish off and just touch a little bit on you know who 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 we should keep an eye out on. I mean, obviously there's them. Um and uh you know, long may they keep drawing games, right? That's uh, two in a row. They lost two when Rodri was out. Um, um, Arsenal at the top of the league right now. Um, feels doesn't feel quite right. Villa beat Spurs. Uh, did, did not surprise me because it feels like Spurs are in a bit of free fall uh, without you know kind of a, a central defensive partnership that they can rely on. Miro mm. uh, comes back in the next game. Um, so maybe that will be slightly different against City. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know. Um, they did not look great. I saw the second half of the game. They did not look great against Villa. Um, United won. Um, and uh, uh, Newcastle, who those guys confidently predicted would lose to Chelsea, won, a, won also. Um, so what? What? Who, who, who do you want to talk about? And who, who gives you the greatest concern? Well, just as a general point and as a as a as a somewhat of a football snob, I love the fact that there's there's not a ton of daylight between the top six or seven teams. I think it's healthier for for the sport and for the league overall. I, everyone like hops on about dynasty teams. I, I'm not a big fan of that. I don't want I don't I want there to be peril. I want there to be to be drama. And if it's even when we were running it over, it was beautiful to behold because we hadn't done it in so long. But still, it was I was like. There's, we're not really, then, then the expectations became somewhat ridiculous. We want to be centurions. We want to be undefeated. It's like, well, that, those are all great, but it's, and yeah. I'll take them. Don't get me wrong. But at, overall for the sport, I don't think that it's, it's, it's super healthy, but this, I, I think speaks to, to, to a, a more robust league uh, or it's some, that there's somehow there's more parity and this might, that the, we had that when the Leicester Leicester won the league too. There was that, that that was I think there was less parity than there was like more upheaval that was going on, and some teams just didn't didn't show up. That potentially that that if they had it would have probably walked it walked it. But I just I, I like it. I think it's great uh, in terms of who I'm most worried about. Uh, full blundle of the uh, a buddy from the Anfield rap said is like he was really upset that they give an Arsenal shorter odds to win the league than us. And yeah. I've watched Arsenal a couple of times and. Uh, they they play attractive football, but I'm not I'm not sure if 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 you really took the Arsenal football also Arsenal fans TV to 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 the rack on this that they'd say like yeah this is 
we're as good as we were last year. Yeah. And like they weren't really very good yesterday. Um, they got they got that late goal. Uh, Kai Havertz came on and and they got a late goal. And and teams that want to they did this last year too. So I don't want to be too disingenuous, but they just don't feel like the same outfit the way that City don't feel like the same outfit. And I I've said this a couple of times, like City, if they were playing like they were two years ago, probably would have probably would have beaten us quite handily at home. Um, but they just they they seem fallible, which is the best way for me to put it. They don't feel as ironclad or as bulletproof as they were before. And they can be got at. And I think that Arsenal can too. Yeah. And when we I'll be very interested to see how we how we we play against them on the 23rd. And I think that's the game. And of all the fixtures in the next month or so, that that's the one that I've I've got my eye on the most. Because that'll I think that'll be the bellwether for for where we are as a team um against against like another really really good team because i think we came through yesterday with with, a, with with enough kudos to suggest that like we can be and we do we do belong at at, at the table uh, and yeah. and i think if if we can put arsenal to the sword with a pretty comprehensive performance i think that that might be that might be me what precipitates our rise yeah yeah no i i i think of all the teams in that list um, I, I think it'd be interesting to see what happens to Villa, because um, I think Villa probably are better than Spurs. Um, actually, not just because they beat them today with you know with Spurs being down a few players. Uh, I think I think they might end up they might end up in the top four. Uh, Villa um, of the others, I guess Arsenal maybe the other top four contender. But you're right. I, I'm I'm looking at those games coming up and thinking at Anfield. Um, you know, I mean, historically they've struggled against us at Anfield. Mm. Um, I see no reason. There's nothing special about this team that would cause me to think that isn't going to happen again. Um, I, I, I think there's a an overrating of a number of their players, uh, and you know, that their version of the three box three system, um, I think is 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 open to being exploited. I mean, I mean, Brentford with a bit of luck yesterday and a decent. Backup striker, not Neil Mope, would, would have got something from that game. <laughs> yeah. you you see the one he... was like, oh my God, how... You just did, you the... did you see the one he missed? Yes. Oh dear, yeah. So, um, any more to say about those people? Uh, I'm surprised Spurs fell off the pace so quickly, but uh, I guess we kind of had a sense that they weren't quite as good as their, uh, their initial results suggested. What I do think, the final thing I'd say is why I think we are in contention. Um, and, you know, we might not get to 90 points, but we're really hard to beat. Um, you know, the, the, I mean, the only defeat is basically one in which we had a goal chalked off that we should have been given. We had at least one red card that should never have been a red card. Uh, yeah. Um, I, and I do think, uh, you know, going back to and the red card. On goal to beat us. Yeah, yeah, and I go back to the red card thing actually. So, final thoughts: shame uh, Short isn't here. Uh, Chelsea, um, the, like the four-one was against nine men. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so so the uh, I don't know who those bozos are on the Peacock Channel. Ah, uh, you know, I think um, yeah, I think they might get to seventh place in the Conference League, but they might not. You know, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, any other thoughts? No, it's, uh, I just think I, I, the Reds, the Reds are fun to watch again in a in a less 
euphoric way. Let's put it that way. It's like it's there's like there's they're, they're just a young, hungry, interesting team to watch. And yeah. I think that I lost some of that. And we talked about this last night. I think I lost some of that in just how good we were and how spoiled I was and how much I felt like we deserved to get two, three leagues out of it. We deserved two or three Champions Leagues or we deserved this and we deserved that just because winning every week was 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 an like automatic pilot essentially. And now it's just just to watch this team figure it out as a group with, uh, with Klopp at the helm. It's just a... It's a different type of joy for me than it was like because that 1920 team was was probably the best I've ever seen. And I've been watching Liverpool since I was five years old. So the basically just after black and white. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so it's and they and they had some unbelievable teams in, in the eighties and in the seventies, but this was just it was just a, a different class altogether. And it's yeah. and, and so it's I guess the, the highs and the lows have kind of created like a nice, a nice medium pace almost. And it's fun. It's just fun to watch them again. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm fully on board. And I think I've, I've probably ages ago said this before about comparing teams through generations, um, that, that team, it, to, no, to use Shankly's expression that the team that played in 2019, 20 had, a, had people who were not just piano carriers. Um, it had a lot of piano players mm -hmm. in it. And I think some of the teams back in the 70s and 80s had like some really wonderful players, but they had a lot more uh, piano carriers mm -hmm. than, 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 than this team, uh, or at least that team in 2019-20. Um, yeah. Uh, hey, it, it, I think you also said something last night, which uh, I, I, I think is true, which is uh, it's important to enjoy the journey. And I think, um, I think we're on a good one uh, and we should probably leave it there. Other than to say, we will be back after the Sheffield United game. Um, I will actually be at the Lask and Fulham games, which I'm really looking forward to, which is why I want them to be 3-0. <laughs> because I don't, <laughs> I don't want them to be painful. Um, anyway, thanks, Daz, and thanks to Sean for, uh, for showing up. Uh, and thank you, dear listener, for joining us. We'll be back next week. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend. Follow us at First Day Copites on Twitter. We only tweet and retweet from sources we think are credible. Finally, music is courtesy of Hypnotic. They're a Welsh electro pop band, and you can find them at https colon forward slash forward slash hyperfollow.com forward slash hypnotic. Hypnotic is H Y P E N O T I C. Thanks so much to them. <laughs>